CIO podcast on Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging, and we want to help you be more successful. And today we have a topic that I think, if it's implemented right, could make a lot of CIOs successful. And our guest today is Dr. Hal Baker. He's Senior Vice President, Chief Digital and Chief Information Officer at Wellspan Health. Welcome, Hal. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So before we t- dive into the topic of the day, tell us a little bit about yourself and Wellspan Health. Uh, well, I've been at Wellspan for over 25 years uh, and been in the IT department for 15 of those years. Uh, I've been a practicing primary care internal medicine doctor for that entire time. And Wellspan is one of the uh, best integrated health systems in the country that you may not have heard of. Um, we are in South Central Pennsylvania. We have over 20,000 employees. Uh, we have over 1,600 employed providers. Uh, and we really try to take care of our community. Uh, we are locally governed, and uh, it's been a fantastic place for me to be for the last quarter century. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear, and this is why I was excited to bring you onto the podcast around ambient clinical intelligence. But could you describe some of the documentation burden that clinicians face and really how is that impacting them, which it's great that you're a primary care provider. You can describe it firsthand. Yeah, it's really kind of interesting. Um, And I think this, uh, as you said, if it's implemented right, and I think we're getting really close, um, can really make a difference. When I started practicing um, as a resident, I hand wrote my notes and, you know, that may have been good for encryption Um, but it was time consuming. And then when I started practicing, I would dictate my notes and I would dictate in front of patients so they could hear me. Um, And then we went live with the electronic health record and I started using Dragon um, because then the notes were done and I could give the patient a copy of the note when they were leaving until we could get them on the portal uh, Uh when they left. Um, But as we moved along, the um, requirements of documentation have gotten harder and harder and they put more pressure on our providers to document and the complexity of invoicing care uh, with ICD-10 coding uh, and CPT-2 coding and HCC coding. Um, The complexity there has gotten a lot greater. Uh, So the the move to ambient voice um, and my use of mobile DAX has been a, a remarkable change and I think it's extremely promising for us to get doctors back to paying attention to their patients, which honestly is the reason everybody went into healthcare in the first place. Yeah, and you talk about the reimbursement stuff. You didn't even mention meaningful use, macro, MIPS, and a bunch of other (laughs) regulatory burden as far as documentation. Yeah, I I try to never get more than four acronyms in in a (laughs) a single sentence, Um, but there, there is a lot there. And one of the pressures that we're realizing is that providers are increasingly under pressure to multitask cognitively. Mm. So, you know, it's not a good idea to text and drive. And I've never seen a CEO take the minutes of their board meeting or a court judge (laughs) um, try to be the stenographer. Um, You know, we don't try to get people to do two things at once. And yet, if you think about it in healthcare, we've really done that. We've asked the doctor to be 
not only listening to the problem, trying to think through what the diagnosis is, figure out the treatment, but also keeping track of how many bullets were in the review of systems, how many elements of the coding do I need to do? Did I get the HCC code in there? How many um, different uh, health maintenance issues can I address today? So there's, there's a lot of work that goes into that that is, I think, competing for the psychological attention. And some of that is coming out in a feeling of being overwhelmed, burnout, or loss of the joy of practice. Um, and so recently I started using Nuance's DAX product, the mobile product, um, this summer. And what I do now is I walk in the room after my MA has gotten permission, I hit the button, I set the phone down, and we just talk. And I realized that I've let go of keeping all that mental invoicing in my head of what needs to go in the note, because I know that the note is going to come back to me in a few hours. And what I've found is that I can focus on the patient better. My patient satisfaction scores have never been higher. And I like being a doctor more than I ever did. Um, and I've had colleagues as we've rolled this out who even even been skeptical, who've come back to me in a day or two and, and said, you know, wow, this is a game changer. Um, so it's really interesting um, to think about how ambient uh, voice can work even as a scribe, much less when it's integrated in the record. And I can say things like, pull up the last chest x-ray or when did we do a colonoscopy last and have that brought forward without me even touching the keyboard. That's awesome. So is that the workflow for most physicians is they use it on their mobile device and they bring their mobile device in, or are you using some other sensors or microphones in the room to be able to do it? Or what is the main workflow you're approaching it with? We are using the mobile version. There is also the integrated approach that somebody may see in the DAX um, uh, YouTube videos where it's on the wall, where it can interact directly with the record. Gotcha. I was in the middle of um, our COVID pandemic and we were just trying to figure out how to get people working with online, working from home. And the great thing with DAX was that uh, it works with a telephone visit, it works with a video visit, it works with a telephone translator visit. Um, and uh, it's been really interesting to be able to do that, but it was a low tech, quick implementation to get started. And we piloted it with eight doctors and it went well enough with that that our innovation team approved us to go to a pilot of 50 doctors and we're now more than halfway through that rollout and really over the next three months trying to capture the value um, besides the experience of it uh, which we're also collecting. Awesome so you started with eight and now you this sounds like you're halfway to 50. What's what's been their response is uh have you had any that said no I'm going back or you know like how, yeah, how have um, they responded no, to in, it? in all honesty we have um there and I think there, there are two reasons one is somebody who's got uh, such a hyper efficient workflow that yeah. they've figured out the um clicking and they're dealing with a relatively narrow uh range of problems that it just doesn't add that much efficiency for them Gotcha. Uh, and the other is uh, those providers who are very meticulous about their notes and for whom nobody really can author it the way they would want. Mm. Um, whenever you have somebody else taking the minutes of a meeting, somebody else being the scribe, uh, it's going to be a little different. What I found personally is that it only takes me 75 seconds to review a note, um, make any quick edits and sign off on it. And my ability to be focused exclusively on the patient is worth that note being a little bit written different, but it's completely adequate. And my partners are telling me that they don't see any deficiency compared to the notes 
I used to do myself. Um, for me, it's been both a mental release of burden and also um, made my time efficiency better. Well, it seems like that's the measure. Can, can they tell that, you know, a robot did it or an AI engine did it versus yourself? And I, they probably can notice a difference, but does it matter clinically? <laughs> well, I mean, certainly at the bottom of the note, it, it says that it was uh, rendered by Dax and even gives the name of the reviewer. And as a primary care doctor, one of the first uh, to start using DAX, I recognize part of my job is to train the artificial intelligence uh, so that it can become more independent and more effective. I actually had the experience of playing an orthopedic patient and making up a complaint um, and doing that through DAX with an orthopedic visit and got the note back in a few minutes done completely by the AI with no review. Uh, and it, it needed a little tweaking, but it was really impressive to have taken the story that I told and rendered it into medical ease. So uh, this is quite a ways along in some specialties, but we're approaching it uh, primarily in our multidisciplinary practices and looking for the part that it's gonna change the way the doctors perceive healthcare and the way the patients perceive the doctors. And that's our value proposition. We also have a lot of um, challenges meeting the needs in our community because uh, we, like many places just don't have enough primary care doctors. And so we're hoping that this will improve the efficiency and allow maybe me to see one more patient each morning or afternoon um, and open up an appointment for somebody who might otherwise be waiting. Uh, that's great considering the physician shortage. Now, yeah. How has this impacted patients? And I think there's two levels to it. One is, are they okay with a phone in the room listening, right? But then also what's been their experience, you know, sounds like they have more of your attention, which I know having been to many pediatric visits where my doctor's head is buried in the laptop, I hate, right? <laughs> but what's been your experience with patients? Um, well, so we've surveyed patients and we've gotten a very high percentage saying the doctor was more attentive. Now mm -hmm. that survey is asked by our medical assistants right after the visit people like their doctors, might it be a little biased? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's the first time I've been in the top 10 of our health system for um, patient satisfaction. And it was while I was using DAX. I don't nice. know if those two are related, but it might not be chance. We're going to be looking at uh, the satisfaction of patients in our DAX um, test pilots and in their peers who are not yet on DAX and seeing what the difference is. I, patients have not been concerned about the recording. We're in a dual notification state. So I have to tell every patient we're recording the visit to the secure cloud that will be there for a period of time, um, but very carefully protected. Um, and I've only had two patients who've had any concerns. And you know, then I just went back to Dragon and did those notes. Gotcha. So who championed DAX in your organization and what was your approach to getting buy-in for it? Uh, I, I was the one to champion it, and I've had the privilege of working with Nuance since um, Dragon first started rolling out here uh, when gotcha. we first started our electronic health record back in 2016. Um, at that point, we didn't really have a plan, and um, our doctors who couldn't type started buying Dragon, whether we approved it or not. <laughs> so we, we had a very rapid rollout of that. It was very successful um, in helping our doctors get their thoughts in the, and write notes that had a soul to them. Um, hmm. instead of just read like an invoice. Uh, but in that process, we started talking about this idea of, of ambient and technology on the advisory council. 
Uh, and it's been wonderfully fun to watch the progress of the company and its commitment to it. And it now not being perfect, but boy, it's useful. Um, and I personally was surprised how much of an impact it had on my enjoyment of my clinical time, which I, I still do because I still value um, that relationship I have with my patients. Well, and you have to get back to your CIO duties, right? <laughs> you I, I, I do, but, um, <laughs> uh, I think being a practicing CIO gives me an insight that um, not every CIO can have about how things actually work compared to how we thought they were going to work. Yeah. Absolutely. So where do you see this clinical intelligence, ambient clinical voice, however you want to call it, where do you see it heading in the future? Is it going to go beyond just doing the note or or do you think it's really about refining the note? I think uh, there's certain things you can do faster with clicking the mouse and there's certain things you can say easier. Um, I would love to be able to dictate my prescriptions and have them go out versus clicking multiple fields. Um, be able to ask a question and like on Star Trek, have it answered by pulling it up through um, a very effective search function in my electronic health record epic. Uh, I also can see the situation where um, I use Schwab for my um, financial management and uh-huh. Schwab, my voice is my password. We're hoping that at some point, what um, my voice is my password to Wellspan also. Nice. And imagine being able to walk into an office and say, I'm Hal Baker, I'm here for my appointment with Dr. Smith. And it not only pulls me up, but validates with my voice print that that's me. Um, Those are the kind of exciting things that I think will happen. And the reason I think nuance is a place we bet on is because nuance probably listens to more conversations in cars, online, in banking than anybody else. And with artificial intelligence, my belief is that you bet with the person who has the most data. Um, They're a smart company, but boy, they've got access to data. Um, and I think that's why there's hope here. To some extent, we're investing our, our time in training the artificial intelligence to be more and more able to do the lifting in primary care. And if you think about it, the amount of different terms I use in primary care is a lot broader than an orthopedic surgeon might use yeah, um, because absolutely. of the range of things we talk about. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the interesting part of this is does it scale to every specialty? Does it scale within the hospital? Does it scale to the nurses? You know, I I think, you know, that's still to be TBD, if you will, (laughs) but it's, you know, the potential there is so great. I I just love watching it. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine a surgeon who could narrate their surgical procedure and the note operative note just is written because of the narration. And there's a lot of potential here. Uh, and it has been really interesting to watch how fast this technology is moving nowadays. Yeah. So let's shift gears just a little bit. But as sure. CIO, what have you done to really adapt to your role amidst COVID-19? And, and how have implementations like DAX been impacted? Well, um, you know, in the week before uh, March 17th, when we had our first COVID patient at WellSpan, Uh Um, We had 12 providers doing video visits. I was one of them. We did 42 that week before Uh or that 30 days before. So you were ahead of the curve. In the next 30 (laughs) days, we did over 35,000 and we brought on 1,100 more providers to do video visits. Um, That was remarkable. Um, When we've been starting doing the vaccinations, we started with our employees as the state requested, but then we 
got word that they were probably going to open it up to patients and we weren't sure what the criteria would be. Well, within four hours of the announcement, we had online scheduling set up and in the next 30 hours, I mean, under 36 hours, we had over 46,000 patients go on our portal and sign up for a COVID a vaccine appointment. You know, there's no way we could have done that by phone calls. Wow. And that wasn't on your strategic roadmap to shift to telehealth that quickly in, in January. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of funny. Um, it was on our roadmap. And in January, we had been arguing about whether it was reasonable to set a target of getting 1% of our visits to telehealth in the next year. Uh-huh. And then three months later, we were at over 50% because of the partly the pullback in offices but um, we're right now running seven to nine percent of all of our visits are done through telehealth and video. Yeah, it's impressive the change, and it's amazing. So you said you use DAX with your telehealth visits, just the yes. same. Yes. Wow, that's impressive. I, I, you know, it's interesting. When I first heard of DAX, I wrote an article that said, you know, nuance needs to hop all over, <laughs> all over telehealth in this opportunity because you know, to me, that it's the golden key, right? And, you know, doing it in the room can be somewhat challenging if you don't have the right microphone, but it's great that mobile's working so effectively. But in telehealth, you're already recording the visit. The patient's already comfortable with it. So to me, that seems like the future. It, it is. And it's pretty innocuous um, uh, to have it there. Now, we, you know, we plan to experiment with the, the wall-mounted integrated in the future. Uh, but with telehealth, with some of our doctors taking visits from home, um, it was much easier to go with the mobile technology and it was much more flexible yeah. uh, to get started and you know, relatively low cost since the presence of iPhones is so common in our physicians. Yeah, absolutely. So what suggestions would you have for a CIO that, that may be having a hard time amidst everything that's happening uh, you know, with COVID and everything else, you know, or maybe even a hard time pushing forward these innov- innovative solutions like DACs in their organization? Any suggestions for them? Um, my thought is that you've got to differentiate the cool from the tool. Mm. Um, and you've got to be able to explain why it's going to pay for itself. So we're starting with DACs. Um, not quite sure what the value proposition will be. We know that people are, who were in our first test pilot group are very concerned we would ever take it away from them. Um, <laughs> so we have that, but we, we also want to be able to demonstrate how it's paying for itself because you hire a technology to do a job, to solve a problem, and you got to know what problem you're trying to solve. You also have to have operational and clinical champions that are willing to buy in and help you overcome those learning curve hurdles that you start out. Um, the, the practice that had the first set of four doctors with DAX wasn't chosen by accident. It had the right office manager and it had one of the leaders of our medical group so that it could have the voice uh, of leadership that this was something we needed to really lean in on. Um, so don't be timid and make sure you have buy-in and a operational clinical wingman with you uh, because Every new idea has got some parts of it that you don't know you're wrong until you start and you've got to be able to pivot really quickly. Yeah, that's some great advice. Well, thanks so much for sharing these insights and perspectives. It's especially great that you're a doctor and using the actual product. So I think this is going to offer a, a lot of great insights. Any final thoughts about where all of this is headed and, uh, and you know, what, what else you're working on? 
Well, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is our work that we did with sepsis. And again, we put humanity back into the IT. Uh, rather than having our sepsis alerts just fire at the nurses and doctors in the ED, who you can imagine during COVID were overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, we started uh, several years ago firing them to a nurse who watched the entire health system, every inpatient, every ED patient, and looked at the alerts and decided if they were real or if they were a false alarm and only picked up the phone if something was being missed. If the team was all over it, they didn't bother them. And when that human being called, the trust that that phone was ringing for a reason, we were able to achieve numbers that were really unprecedented in, in our um, compliance with the sepsis bundle. And that's part of the reason why we won last year's Eisenberg Award on patient safety innovation. Um, I just think as we look at technology, it's about bridging the humanity and restoring the trust of healthcare if it's ever been jeopardized and allowing our healthcare providers to connect with humans because every time you can take your hand off the mouse or the keyboard, you can hold a hand or provide reassurance. Um, and that's really why everybody went into healthcare. Um, so Absolutely. I'm really optimistic that some of this new stuff will allow us to get back to the world where things were simpler without losing the data and the gains and the intelligence that we brought with all the IT. Yeah, what a fascinating way to address alert fatigue. If the phone rings, then it really matters. You, you know, we, we've done a lot of work and we have 17% um, of our alerts in CPOE are responded to. Okay. And that's better than 12 to 13% at most Epic clients and 9% nationally. But that still means over 80% of our alerts are not being acted upon. So in a lean perspective, that's waste. How do we get it down to where it only alerts you the same way you know, Northrop Grumman does with a fighter pilot? You don't interrupt a fighter pilot unless they're going to die. We need to make the alerts much more intelligent. Um, and for us, putting in that human level, um, it, it made a big difference and it created a trust relationship that I don't ever have hope that my um, algorithm in my computer is gonna do by itself. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. We really appreciate all your insights, Hal. This, this was a lot of fun and I think will we'll help a lot of CIOs who are trying to navigate these new technologies. So thanks so much. We've been here with uh, Dr. Hal Baker from Wellspan Health. And if you want to find more great health IT content like this and the rest of the episodes in the CIO podcast, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Hal. Thank you. Thank you.